All right. Good afternoon, everyone. We're going to go ahead and get started uh, right on time at 1 o'clock. My name is Wes Fryer. We're going to talk about Scratch. And I don't know that this title of the session was, you know, catchy enough. It's always important to have a catchy title. And if people have no idea what Scratch is, they, they may not. You know, may not have thought this was related to them, but um, how many of you, by a show of hands, have heard of Scratch before and have seen something in Scratch? Some of you have before. Okay. How many of you have never seen anything in Scratch before? Just completely new. Well, I'm so glad that you've come. Um, I've had opportunities this year in UConn to, uh, last semester, work with Chris Simons, fourth and fifth graders at Independence, and we introduced all the kids to Scratch. And two weeks ago, I worked with Crystal Butcher and mostly second and third graders at Skyview in their STEM program, but actually a class of first graders and introduced them. And uh, next week I'm going to be at Lakeview uh, working with them. Scratch is the best way of describing it that I've heard that Mitch Resnick says is it has a, a low bar and a high ceiling, meaning we can begin creating things right now with Scratch, like how to make two characters talk to each other and tell a story. But there is so much we can do with Scratch in terms of the possibilities that it's very exciting. And so in order to sort of kick us off, I'm going to show you a short video that it does a better job in about two and a half minutes of talking about possibilities than I could do. Um, I have a few slides that I want to share, and then we're going to get into some Scratch stuff. But Chris Simon is here. He started a club after school with his fourth and fifth graders at Independence. And there's exciting things that kids are building and doing. So we're going to – and uh, – and, and I am, by the way, recording this session, so all the sessions I've done today, um, I've been recording the audio, and I'll be putting those into our My Big Campus. So if you did not get into yet our My Big Campus class for the, um, uh, the Professional Development Day, um, actually a different login, when you go to the uh, session resources for the BYOD conference that um, Adam Zadro set up, we're in session four, 1 p.m., and the Intro to Scratch session will have one link, and that link goes to this page. And this page has um, the resources that we'll share. So it has the video um, that I'm going to share, and it's got the slide deck. But um, this video was created by the Scratch team at MIT, and uh, I don't know what our excitement level will be in this room. But I'll, I'll just tell you this, having done this with a bunch of kids in the last few months. When you share this with kids and you say, I want you to look for things that you think are cool or something you'd like to try, the excitement and the buzz is just very palpable. You can taste it because kids get very excited seeing possibilities. So I would like you to do the same thing as you watch this two-and-a-half-minute video. What do you see? And you can put on your, your own you know, teacher hat, your parent hat. Uh, what do you see that you would either like to do or you have kids or students that you think would like to do some of this? All right? And this is uh, just, uh, just under three minutes long. Imagine creating your own video game, animated stories, or interactive art. all over the world, make all different kinds of projects. 
I love drawing stuff. I especially like drawing this picture because it was really fun. In this project, we use sprites to draw patterns. Send the names of these stories up. I don't know where they come from. I get my imagination. My first project was a remix of one of the sample projects that come with Scratch. I just love the creativity of Scratch. There's endless possibilities. It's not like you can just make this project or this project, and that's all you can make. But Scratch isn't just a tool. It's also a community. You get to see other people's projects and learn from them and get ideas from them. I like to compose my own I love math, and I like making other people interested in it too. Getting started is easy. You can download Scratch for free and you have start exploring. You snap together Scratch blocks, just like you would snap together Lego bricks. Let's make the cat dance back and forth to a beat. If I want the cat to dance back and forth more than one time, I can wrap a tape block around it. I'll place this block on top, and now when I click on the cat sprite, check out what happens. You can even try different things out while the project is still running and experiment with different scripts. It's a program that lets you explore your imagination. You can do whatever you want. You can design anything. Using Scratch, I definitely learned a lot about programming, but I also learned how to collaborate with other people. This project has voices in it. I have my friends record their voices, and then I use it in my projects. It's like you can do whatever you want, really. You can be as creative as you want. I can't wait to see what you create from scratch. What will you imagine? What will you program? And what will you share? Okay, I'm going to start a little timer and give you a minute and a half, and I'd like you to introduce yourself to your neighbor if you don't know your neighbor, and then uh, answer that question together. What did you see in that short video about Scratch that you thought either you'd like to do or you know a young person who would be excited about doing that thing? All right, go. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to mute my uh, audio, and then we'll just play this as it's kind of going. What, what, is some, what did you talk about? What did your neighbor talk about? What did you see that you were excited about or you know a young person would be excited about? What element of what we saw? I think it, it covers a wide range of, of kids. I mean, you can, you can, I mean, kids is, you know, if we're using it in elementary school, so ready all the way up to, I mean, high school, I mean, just, just the range. So as a teacher, uh, you're excited about a tool that's going to allow a variety of of levels. So you're not going to have had to master all five paragraph essay writing and, you know, formal English. You can be at, a, at an entry level with your written language skills, but you're still going to be able to create something and make something. But at the same time, there's trigonometry in this, there's high level math, so there's possibilities for kids to be challenged at different levels. There's swings on this that you have to know, positive, negative numbers. I mean, the math that's involved in this, and then to me, this is the perfect Common Core STEM program because it involves writing, deep thinking, logical thinking. I mean, a lot of this stuff to you looks simple on there, but the coding required, I mean, that one with the fireworks, 
I mean, that's the most complex code you're going to see. I don't understand the trigonometry in that product program. You know, the it, sine and cosine and tangent. It's it's using those, but I... When it comes up, you're thinking, oh, well, that looks like a 1980s video game, but the programming in it is like, holy cow. And, I mean, even to do something as simple as this, the they're using positive negative numbers. I mean, you know, where to put something on a coordinate plane, it's... We get excited about different things than kids do. My middle or my youngest daughter is in third grade, and and she goes to Quail Creek Elementary in, in Oklahoma City. And the first parent-teacher conference, the teacher was showing my wife something she was doing, and it had to do with number lines and negative numbers, and something that Rachel wrote about negative numbers. And she was like, "I'm not sure where she got this." And my wife said, "That's scratch," because she knew this summer she did scratch camp. And if you want things to go backwards, well, you need to use a negative number. So, you know, that, that's something as an adult and as a teacher we get excited about. Ooh, you got into negative numbers. To her, it was like breathing. She wanted to make her sprite go backwards. Yeah, so she used a negative number. So that's something that we may be excited about as an adult and as someone who's, like, thinking about math curriculum. But from the kid's standpoint, you know, they were excited about making this, making something interactive, you know, making, making um a game that would respond to you. Other thoughts about things that you saw that... Have your kids made games before? Do you think your kids would be interested in that? Why? That's all they want to do. It's like video games. And there's a really important thing about agency here that is embedded right inside Scratch and digital literacy. And, and that is that a lot of times now, we are sort of the passive users of technology. But when you become the creator, when you make the game, agency changes and your whole thought process changes too. Because you have to decide, well, who's the villain? Who's the good, the good character? How do they get points? How fast do they move? Is this going to be easy or hard? And there's all this decision-making. So there's some very important uh, philosophy and educational philosophy embedded. This comes out of MIT from a group that's called the Lifelong Kindergarten Group. And I think they're called Lifelong Kindergarten because there are things in a good kindergarten classroom that we really should never lose, like working socially in teams and, and going to centers and having choice. You know, not all complete choice, but having some choice about what we're going to do and learning to be responsible and to work independently and not just be dependent on the teacher and all of those kind of things. This, this, this conversation, I guarantee you, would be totally different if we even had, you know, a couple, a couple kids in the room. Um, can anybody else share another thought as far as something that, that they saw? What about the art? Did anybody see, see anything that they talked about with art that you were... I've heard people say about fourth grade, most folks stop drawing. I think that's tragic, right? And it probably has to do with adolescence and puberty and feeling, you know, vulnerable in front of groups and, and people tell us that's not any good. Uh, but I think it's awesome that this is an opportunity to share your art and make your art come alive. You know, that cat project that he liked. You know, yes, there's common core objectives. Yes, there's past standards. Yes, there are things that we have our teacher hat on and our teacher glasses on, and we see this, and we, we think about those things. But there's intrinsically fun and worthwhile um, activities here that, you know, 
you'll be hard-pressed to probably get a kid to spontaneously work with number lines, you know, but to make a sprite interact with another sprite and move across the screen, you have to do that with, with math. Anybody have another thought to share about something you see here? Or, or? It's really amazing to see the difference in an adult audience responding to that and a kid audience. So. Yeah, and there are so many possibilities. You know, one of the uh, problems with PowerPoint is it's made it so linear and so text-based that if you remember back in uh, maybe the late 90s, there was Hyper Studio, which was this program that people would make to create multimedia presentations, and they could be non-linear. And it was an empty frame, but now with PowerPoint, I don't know. It's just it doesn't have that open-ended sense of, of creativity. Yes, you have bullet points and things like that that people put in, but it's not. It doesn't have that open-ended that open-ended side. So let me show a couple slides here, uh, and I think I'll share a video, and then I want to invite Chris to share some and talk a little bit. And we'll share some. Uh, we have a video of some of the IES kids talking about STEM. Um, anybody know who invented the USB? This fellow. And I think it's time to redefine geek in school and even in society overall. This is a 30-second spot that Intel made about the inventor of the USB. And I really think this is a no way. <laughs> I didn't preview this before. I think... So what do we do here? Um, I'll Google it for uh, Rockstar Intel. I think, oops, I think I might, I might have a copy of it. Yeah. Huh. You know, if we think about the ways in which technology uh, is touching our lives and affecting our lives, there's all kinds of technology. The wheel is technology, right? But, I mean, even just with USB, smartphones, there's so many different ways that technology is, uh, is affecting us. So when we think about geeks and people who are geeky, I mean, that doesn't even need, need to be technology. You can be a crochet geek. Um, but people who are really passionate and really love, you know, a particular um, a particular um, hobby or, you know, they, they love technology. I, I think it's wonderful to give folks an outlet for that and to recognize that. So, you know, geeks kind of have a bad name. Movies in Hollywood have made, made that a bad name. Uh, in different places, you know, it cannot be cool to be a girl and to be a geek. So there's, you know, movements that are trying to uh, address that, you know, uh, girl geeks and um, trying to help people see that they, you know, it can be cool to be a geek. Um, Scratch addresses problem-solving, creativity, computational thinking. Um, we've got a STEM program at our, both our four or five campuses. Wes is going to be stepping in to do more STEM now at the sixth grade uh, campus. And 
I feel like Scratch is a very practical way to be doing it. We hear people say, oh, we want to support STEM, and the governor just said that, you know, in her speech. Great, where's all the STEM, you know, uh, Scratch clubs in our schools? As far as I know, Piedmont and Yukon are the only places in the state that have an after-school Scratch club. Why don't we have one at, at everybody's school? We ought to. Um, does anybody know who this is? I recognize this guy? His name is Seymour Pappert, and uh, tragically, Pappert is still alive. He was hit by a motorcycle in Vietnam several years ago, and if you want a case for why the healthcare system needs to be reformed, Seymour Pappert was cut off from MIT and all of his healthcare stuff because it was too costly to provide his healthcare, you know, after he got injured from this, this accident. But he is the father of Scratch. He's really the father of Logo. If you um, Google his name or Logo and, and you remember back in the 19. 80s and, you know, the time when we had these turtles that were in classrooms. Where did computers go first in schools? Do you remember what department got them? It's the math department, right? The math department got them. And what did you do if you had a computer in like 1985 or 86? Do you remember what we did with computers? We didn't have apps. We didn't even have CD-ROMs. Do you remember what we did? We coded. We wrote in basic. You know, we, we programmed and we made them do things. And so there were these turtles that would be in rooms and the kids would program them to move and they could like draw spirograph style things and you could, you'd program them to go so many steps and to go left and to go right. So Pappert and the folks at MIT created this, and he studied with a guy named Piget. Have we heard of him before? Okay, and Piget studied in France, and he looked at language and how kids acquired language. You know, why is it that kids, if they're in an immersed language environment and they're young, just start to speak the language? Why does, why does that happen? Well, it's because we teach it from the formal no, it's because they're surrounded by it, right? It's like breathing. If we all lived in Paris and we were surrounded by French-speaking people, we would probably, especially if we were young and had more pliable brains, you know, pick up the language and start to, to talk it. And so what Piget wanted to do with Logo and now with Scratch is to create an environment where kids naturally do math. Why do you learn about negative numbers? Because that's what you have to do if you want the sprite to move backwards and forwards. So the Lifelong Kindergarten Group is the one that created this. And I have used Scratch teaching some pre-service teacher classes at uh, courses at UCO and at North Texas the last couple of years. And then by working with Chris and some of our other STEM teachers have had uh, a chance to get to, to learn and play with it even more. We are going to have a Scratch camp, which is hopefully going to be at Skyview spring break, it might be at OU, because um, I've worked with a, a group in Edmond that has a nonprofit that they've got some bank donations to pay teachers to teach Scratch. But we're going to have some information that will be coming out about that soon. Hopefully we'll have that finalized next week because folks are going to make um, spring break plans. There's a whole community called the Scratch Ed community that has lesson plans and resources and things like that um, to be able to share. And there's different ways to get into Scratch. In fact, right now, if you've got your laptop and you haven't downloaded Scratch, please download it. Just Google Scratch software. Uh, you'll find it on uh, scratch.mit.edu, and you can, uh, you can download it and check it out. So um, what I'd like to do, I'm going to play one more video, and then I'm going to ask Chris to share a little bit about what he has seen in Scratch as a STEM teacher and an educator. Um, and then we'll kind of explore a little bit some, some of the projects that, that kids have done, and we can, um, you know, kind of give you a little bit of an introduction 
to you know how what you can do with Scratch and, and how you might do it. This is a two and a half minute video that we created at Independence after kids had been introduced to Scratch and they um, were signing up for Scratch Club. And so we just asked them, why are you excited about Scratch Club? What do you what do you see in Scratch that you like or you might want to do? We started the Scratch Club here at Independence Elementary because my kids showed a genuine interest at the beginning of the year on uh, wanting to be computer programmers. When I asked them the first time, who wants to do computer programming, not many kids raised their hand. However, when I said, guys, you realize that uh, video programmers are the ones that make your video games, everybody's hand shot up. Well, I want to give these guys a real opportunity to see what video uh, game programmers do and what people who make computer animations do. And this Scratch is the perfect uh, program for doing that. to that, and, and I want you to respond in terms of goals. If you're thinking about a scratch club, you know, Cecil said, you know, student achievement, test scores, and that is true. But what would you see as some of the other goals or reasons for getting kids a little bit that you've heard about this? You know, wh what would you see as those reasons or goals for kids being excited about scratch and doing that? Okay, take about a minute and a half and talk with your neighbor. Yes, and it runs the same on. Not no, because you can make the characters like use comic book sort of bubbles or what bubbles um, speech, and um, the, the audio is just an extra that they can do if they have a microphone. But they don't have to. Oh, um, so Scratch will not run on the iPad. Um, they don't have it. They're doing a 2.0 version now, but. You can't even really play the projects on the iPad. They've tried to put apps in, but Apple doesn't want people to program in Scratch for the iPad. They want people to program for the iPad. 
So um, they've developed a new version that is going to be is going to be coming out. So it has. That's a good question. It has right now. Scratch has to be um, on your your PC. It has to be on your Windows or your Mac. Okay, let's get a, a couple folks to share. So we've we've shared some reasons, but beyond the student achievement issues, what what else? What are what are the reasons here? I, to try and amplify it, because we've talked about like a, a showcase day, a show and tell day, uh, and then to raise awareness. Because this program is free, all right? MIT's had it out for five years. There are now over three million scratch projects that have been made worldwide in lots of languages, not just English. But, you know, helping folks to learn about it as kids create things to find ways that they can share, celebrate what they've done, you know, and what they've learned, get them to share that, but then also raise the awareness to say, oh, you're doing a language arts project? Oh, you're reading the Scarlet Letter? You know, your students could create... Um, you know, a plot summary of the Scarlet Letter. Or they could make a game. They could take the characters of that novel and they could, you know, make a game that, um, you know, shows what they understand about the conflict and what's happening in there. But it's a, it's a different creative way to do that. Other thoughts about the goals for this? One thing, in a moment you're going to see a young man come up named Hunter. Hunter... Uh, especially last year when he was in fourth grade, he's in fifth grade now, struggled a lot socially. He had a hard time uh, with this young man right here. Um, wouldn't say he got bullied, but I think kids kind of picked on him a little bit. You've never seen a kid get more energized than he does in the scratch club, running around to other people saying, take a look what I've done, take a look what I've done. And they're eager to look at what he's done, but he goes over and looks at what they're done. So in the social aspect alone, this kid's grown 10 million times because now he's got something he can share that he's created himself that he absolutely is dying to show somebody else. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but it's not that often that I've had, hey, come look at my PowerPoint presentation. Yeah, they do, but look at my, you know, this, they're running to each other across the computer lab. Come and look at what I've got. Check this out. And kids are getting up and going over there and looking. So there's excitement there to do this. For me, what I would hope when we do a presentation for teachers, principals, parents, things like that, we plan on doing one really soon. The simple goal that I would like to have would be for teachers, if a kid goes up and says, can I do a scratch presentation for a teacher not to say, well, what is that, and no, I don't know what that is. If we could just introduce scratch like this to a teacher, so hey, that would be kind of cool, I'd like to see that. I wanted so desperately, like my daughter was doing something for her um, biology class, and it had to do with, uh, um, not DNA, uh, pollination and stuff like that. I'm like, honey, we could do a scratch thing. She's like, no, I just wanted to do this. We could do a scratch thing. It's like, it's so perfect. It's a toolbox. You know, when you've learned how to use a different tool, you know, people will joke that to the person with a hammer, you know, the whole world's a nail. But, you know, you will have more things in your toolbox. You can, you can see Scratch as a way to tell stories, to create animations, to create games. Um, and that kind of enthusiasm, if we really want folks, and I'm not just talking about theoretically, if you really want more kids to endure what they have to endure to be engineers and to graduate, they have got to be motivated, and they have got to not only be smart with math and be able to do it well, they have got to be motivated. And so motivation, for me, is a big part of this. That goes back to redefining geek and getting kids to be fired up 
about making stuff, about creating things, about creating programs. Not just going to the movie theater and see the movie, you know, making the movie. Not just playing the game, but making the game. We are, in this district, because every school district in, the wor- in, in our country and eventually the world will be one-to-one. I mean, at some point, the cost of computers, Chromebooks now are 200 bucks, you know, and I'm not saying we should all get a Chromebook tomorrow, but... You know, we're, we're going to be at the point someday where all of our kids have devices and we're going to be working in some in-between time, you know, for that. Um, technology is going to be around us and helping our kids become proactive agents that see themselves, they have agency because they can program, they can create. It's, it's a really important thing, you know, beyond just being more literate about, you know, movie and film and stuff like that. So... Um, Chris, well, the other thing that's really neat about this, and I was, Wes helped me set this up, my webpage, and I'm thankful. I always tell the kids, you know, the kids are always wanting to show what each other does, so they're trying to impress their friends. But if you take a look at that visitor's map right there on the side, my kids want to know every single week when they come in, do we, how many new visitors do we have and where are they from? We have visitors from, I had a person from Russia the other day checking out our work. If you look at the bottom... We have somebody from, uh, we've got two followers in England, two followers in... Um, Kazan, Russia. Yeah. Kazan, Russia. Yeah, Kazan, Russia. Kazan, Russia. We've got uh, Japan, Italy. So I tell them, I'm like, guys, you are not just, and all across the United States, a lot of people in Oklahoma, but a ton in California. I had a lady call me from Kentucky the other day wanting to know about the stuff we were doing in the STEM class. So people are just, I said, guys, look, you're not just having to impress each other. You're having to impress people around the world. And when you show that to them, they're stoked. They're excited. They cannot wait to get in there and show what they can do. And I love it that they rise to the challenge. Some of the first things I gave these kids, they said, do an all-about-me project, where they had to tell me a couple, three, couple things about themselves, change the scene, have some movement, have some talking. I didn't say make it interactive. That every kid wanted uh, somebody to type something in that they had to respond. So they made them interactive. Uh, the one that we saw on the video from IES was by um, Mason Rather. He was in the video too, the kid with the Texas accent. Which, uh, which username is he? Do you remember? M Rather, number 12. So this is a page of scratchers that we have, and so we, uh, it's linked to their profile. They get parent permission to be able to set this up. Now, he did not save all of this. He's got stuff on a jump drive, and he refuses to put it up until it's absolutely perfect. I sometimes tell the kids, just put it up there and re-download it and work right. on it. So you're not going to see any of his best stuff up there. But he did one for Lord of the Rings. He changed his All About Me to Lord of the Rings. And the thing that was neat was that he found characters online, pictures of the characters, and he learned how to edit the backgrounds out. And he put them in his video. I mean... These guys, I have, and Mason and Emma, two of my fifth graders who are in the club, we talk about projects that we've done, and I was telling them about a project that I did, and I said, man, I must have worked on that thing for four hours without realizing it, and they both said, we do that all the time. <laughs> We're on there at home just kind of typing away, the next thing you know, four hours have gone by. So they're, I mean, high interest. These guys are so into working on this stuff. It's incredible. Here is a great lesson cycle that comes from scratch, and this comes from the Lifelong Kindergarten Group. And 
This doesn't fit exactly into a curriculum box of what we're teaching regularly in school. That's why a scratch club is really a great idea because there's a lot of autonomy and freedom that comes in an after-school context that you don't necessarily feel in your classroom when the test is coming and you've got your, you know, objectives that you've written and, you know, all of that. So this lesson cycle starts with imagine and it ends with imagine. We imagine something we'd like to and then we create and then we play with that and then we share that with someone else and we reflect about it and we imagine some more. I mean, I love that. This is great. This is stuff that kids will do on their own for fun because it's awesome. Because taking stuff, ideas in your imagination and being able to put them on the screen and create them uh, has a lot of intrinsic value. It's not just something you do instrumentally for the grade. You do it because you love it. And as human beings, uh, I think we were made to, we were built to create. We create stuff. And how often do you get to take an idea out of your mind? I don't know if you all saw this when you came in, but Miss Crabtree has published a book, right? She is a published author, new local author, Dusty Crabtree. So she has published a book, and it is there, and that's from her imagination, and that's out there. Our kids have chances to do that now, and not just with, you know, novels and text, but they can do it with, with pictures. They can do that with, with audio, you know, do that with other stuff, too. For me, for my money, this is the perfect STEM and Common Core program because of all the things that we are required to do, having kids write about social studies, write about science, write about math. They are writing scripts. They are writing actual text. Uh, that, you know, they have to know the content. They could make a social studies game about trying to save Abraham Lincoln from going to the Ford Theater. I mean, if somebody really wanted to be creative, they could do something like that. There is no subject that can't be touched using Scratch. The thing that got me into using Scratch is I go every year, I've been to a math and science teacher's co-workshop. It's meant for middle school teachers, but they, they let me in. They let me go down there. And we do lab work in the morning, and uh, it's called Instrems, or C3MS. Uh, yeah, type that. There it is. And... Any any middle school uh, science and math teachers that want to get together and go to this at OU, right? Yeah, at OU, it's two weeks. It's so good because you do a lab cohort in the morning and then you do pedagogy in the afternoon. But for one of our summer sessions that we went to, that we went back, they had engineers come in and talk to us. And one of the computing uh, and the head of the engineering department for computers, they said, "Look, people want to do um, Lego programming or stuff like that." And they said, "That doesn't apply." what we do. They said Scratch is really good because it gets kids thinking logically in their stuff. And I had done Scratch once previously with Wes and felt completely lost. So I'm like, Wes, we've got to do Scratch. He said, you want to do Scratch? I said, yes, we've got to do it. And the more you get involved with it, the more you see. And I had also visited with the K-12 people, Adam and uh, Tiffany and I forget the other Levi. Levi. Yeah. And they said to me, they said, well, how do you use technology? And we say we use technology, but we use it as a communications tool. We don't use it the way technology should be used in an engineering or a STEM program. This is technology being used in a way that an engineer would look at it, but it's so creative. So let's jump into Scratch a little bit and, and see, because it can be intimidating and overwhelming. Like, does anybody speak Mandarin here? So if we were going to start a Mandarin class, do you think that might be a little overwhelming? Where do I begin? Oh, my gosh. You know, shishi. That's about the only thing I know how to say, which is thank you. But, you know, we, could, we would build slowly and we'd start to speak the language. So 
part of the language of Scratch, is, and this is part of kind of how I've been introducing this to kids, is vocabulary. So bear with me, and we'll just, we're going to play students here for a little bit. Down here in the corner, we have our sprite. Say sprite, please. Sprite. This is called the stage. Say stage. stage. These are called blocks. Say blocks. blocks. And these are scripts. Say scripts. Okay, each of our scripts are categorized. And what do you notice changes as I click on these different categories? The colors change. And these are a lot like a different kind of block or brick that you've worked with. What kinds of blocks are colored? Google made their colors based on them and they snap together. Lego blocks, okay? So this is like Lego blocks. So of these categories, if I would like for my sprite to move around, okay, what category do you think that's going to be in? Motion, look, sound, pen, control, sensing, operators, variables. Okay, so this is kind of the way that you can start to navigate Scratch is by looking at categories and, and, you know, experimenting. And this is all about iteration and trying stuff. So here, sure enough, is a block that says move 10 steps. And what I'd like to do, and this is a project that actually comes right out of that video, is just making the cat go back and forth and dance to a beat. So if I double tap a block, it will make the sprite, whatever my object is over here, do that thing. So I'm double, double tapping, and sure enough, my cat's moving 10, 10 steps. The other thing is I want him to move to a beat. So where do you think we're going to find a beat, a sound, um, specifically a drum? What do you think that's going to be? Sound. Okay, so we're going to go to sound, and we're going to look and see under sound. By the way, if you wonder how I'm doing this, um, on all of your Macs, under system preferences, there is a blue icon for accessibility, and everybody has text zoom built into your Mac. So anytime you want to zoom in on something, there are some keys that you can push and you can decide how much you want to be zoomed. Some people think that like being in an IMAX film and it makes them sick and ill. And I apologize if you're, you're getting queasy because of, of zooming. But it can be very handy when we want to you know, zoom in like that to be able to do it. So the instructions for how to do that are inside your system preferences and it's under accessibility. You can look at zoom and these are the, um, these are the codes that you do. I'm pressing... Um, option, command, eight to turn the zoom, and then you choose how much you're zoomed in or out by pressing um, equals or plus or minus, and you can zoom back and forth. Okay, so I'm going to get this play drum for uh, 0.2 beats, and if I unmute my mouse or my volume, okay? But my cat is, you know, moving off of the screen here, and I want him to move back and forth, so I'm going to drag him back here to the middle. Now, there's a lot of ways that you can do, you know, do things more than one way. You, if you want to, you can drag out, you know, the same blocks over again, and you can clip them together. If you make a mistake with blocks, you can tear it off and then throw it away. Just, just drop it over here, and it'll go away. But one of the things I teach the kids is called the stamp tool, and it's right up here. And so when you have a stamp, how many times does that mean you can create that shape? Just one time, right? And your stamp blows up and it never works again. Is that how stamps work? How do stamps work? As many times as you want, okay? It's a stamp. Just duplicate. This is how the stamp tool works. So when I click on the stamp tool, I can click on those scripts and what happened? It just duplicated. It could have been a really long script. In this case, it was just two. But here is the question. And remember, I'm asking this to first graders, which I don't know when they do negative numbers. I think it might be in third grade, okay? But in every room, when we ask a room of 20 kids, Finally, you know, and sometimes it's right away. They're like, well, that needs to be negative. How do I change this 10 so that they go backwards, you know? And kids will start to guess. And they'll say, well, five, you know, make it three. Make it zero. 
Okay, let's try that. And so we can put in zero and, and, and try it. Did that work? No, it didn't work. What can we do? And finally, and sometimes it's right away and sometimes it's later, um, they'll say, make it a negative. What's a negative? Well, let's put that in. If that's a negative 10, now what happens? Ooh, he went forward 10 and then he went back 10. So now we're making him go back and forth to a beat. The other thing that we introduce in this first project is the idea of a loop and making it repeat. And so I think this looks a lot like a Pac-Man. This is the repeat block, and these are all control blocks that control how long things happen and whether there's a delay. So when you wrap a repeat block around and you double tap, it does it 10 times. And so this is a basic idea of a program. In fact, go back to 1985 when we were doing basic programs, and the first program people learned to do was 10, print, question mark, you wrote a sentence, and then line 20 was go to 10. It just repeated over and over again, all right? A repeat loop is an important thing for a, a program when you're going to have something happen like that. So repeating 10 times. There was something else about video added. In addition to moving back and forth to a beat, did anybody catch it? It's been a 30 minutes since we saw it. Anybody remember what it was? Change the color. Very good. So which of these categories do you think will we'll have color change in? Looks. Looks. Okay. Looks is appearance. And so here's change color effect. So I can drag that in. And um, now what happens to my cat? Every time he's changing by a little bit of a, a little color effect. And then the last thing they did was they showed that you could put something on top of your script. I usually teach the kids to do the green flag because what do you what do you see over here in the corner? A green flag and what? What do you think that stop sign does? Makes everything quit. So most scratch projects will start by clicking on the green flag and they'll go. That's not true of everything and you can read the directions for how they work, but um, this is a script that goes with this particular sprite. We've written that. We can also make the... Um, uh, make this interactive by um, saying that when the sprite is clicked, okay, so that when I click on the cat, he's going to go uh, back and forth. So um, these are sprites. You've got more sprites that you can introduce uh, down here, and you can import them. Um, the, the Scratch program, by the way, runs the same on a Mac as it does on Windows, and kids can save their program on the Windows Computer Lab, um, up to the Scratch website. Um, when you have an account, you go to Share, and you say Share this project online, and then they can go to a Mac and, and download it, and it's going to work the, work the same in, in between. Um, but they can go ahead and introduce some more characters, and uh, one of my favorites, I like uh, the fantasy uh, dragon, so we'll bring a, a dragon in here. And uh, actually, we might... We might, not want, we might want the, the dragon to face off with the cat here. So um, we can edit any of the sprites that we have. And so I can go to my costumes and edit him. And there are tools here that would let me do things like flip him back and forth. If I don't want him facing right, I want him facing left, I could flip him that way. Um, and then instead of bringing in another dragon, I'm going to import a different costume. I'm going to import this second costume where he's breathing fire except I need to flip him so he's going the same direction as the other guy. Now, what do you notice is happening as I select these two? What does that appear to be? An animation, okay? And it's just as simple as a flip book animation. If you've taken several pieces of paper, you know, draw on them and then draw a little bit different and flip it, 
I mean, how did Walt Disney make pretty much every movie until the last 10 years, or when did they start doing, you know, computer animation? When did Pixar start? I don't know. It was the last, right, 10 or, maybe it's been more than 10 or 15 years. <coughs> so a really simple script for this guy, for this dragon, would be, um, I'm going to have him, when the green flag is clicked, forever changing his costume. And that's under looks. It just says next costume. So when I click the green flag now, ooh, he's changing really, really fast. So how can I slow him down a little bit? You think? Okay, it could be under motion. I'm going to need to put some kind of pause in here, right? Because he's going really, really fast. So under control, there's something that says wait one second. Let's see what this does now. Oh, okay. He waits one second every time he switches. So now here's a great math question. How can I make him faster? He's slow. I don't want him to breathe fire that slow. So how can I make that faster? This script is just when the green flag is clicked, forever change costume. What can I do to that script? Not adding anything else, but changing something. What's that? Could you go in and change the one second to death? Yes, that is exactly right. So we're immediately jumping into the idea of a partial whole. You know, we can connect that to money. You got a dollar? How many quarters can you give me? That's what I did for a girl when I was talking about this very thing. So what would that look like? One of the hardest things about Scratch, but the best things about it is, we are very conditioned as teachers to give kids the answer, right? Not to have them struggle and try and figure that out. And one of the... I think best ways to use Scratch, not as a lazy teacher, okay, but it's as a Socratic teacher, you know, and so you're bouncing that back. Well, what do you think? What do you think we could try? How, what, should, we, should we give a shot? Oh, well, we could make it a zero. What's that going to do? Well, it's not going to pause at all. But is there something that we could do that would be less than that? What's well, less than one? And so um, if we make that 0.25, okay, now, he's waiting a quarter of a second, you know, in between. So that's another example of how Scratch allows for these great conversations about math and lets kids have agency over um, changing. Here's my biggest lesson learned in the last year and a half with Scratch, because I would love to see Scratch everywhere, but guess what? Teachers are not comfortable with Scratch. This is an unfamiliar situation. I'm not ready for this. The best thing we've done is we've just introduced it directly to the kids, and we've shown it to them, and we've helped teachers learn enough about it that they could say, yes, I'd like to see a scratch project, but let me see these different things. And if you look at the art and science of teaching and Marzano talking about mastery learning objectives, what do we want the kids to do, okay? Let's look at this objective. Identifying and defining Shakespearean terms and making inferences on the reading. You know, we can probably take learning goals or objectives, and we can do that through Scratch. So it's not that we're going to revolutionize our curriculum today and say, I'm not teaching Shakespeare anymore, but how could we take those objectives of what we want kids to learn about Shakespeare, and how could you take a, a scene of that and then tell that story through Scratch? Or could you make a game? I mean, what's the central conflict in Othello? Okay, what's happening there? 
could you create a character and show that conflict and then maybe give the hero a chance to not die? I mean, in, in the tragedy, in, in there are lots, lots of death, obviously, in Shakespeare. So It would be so cool you say that. you imagine two kids getting together, writing a script for Romeo and Juliet, having pictures of their own faces <coughs> closed and open, talking to each other, saying the words from Romeo and Juliet, where they're acting it, but they're not having to get up in front of the classroom and act it out. I mean, that is, you know, there's so much there. Let me show you a couple other projects and then some examples so that some things that you can, that you can explore. Um, when you create an account on the Scratch website, which is free, you have a username. And just like YouTube, where you have a channel name that you can go to, um, you can go to your channel and you can see any content that you have created um, in Scratch. And my Internet is being a little bit slow here, so we'll see if it's going to come up. By the way, there was a kid who committed suicide uh, who was connected to MIT, and they hacked the MIT, yeah. the Anonymous, the hacker group, yeah. actually hacked MIT, and so one of the scratch club days that Chris had, their, the site was in, inaccessible. Yeah. Um, all right, so here's a couple projects. Here's one that I did for Scratch Club called About West. This is an About Me project. When you see these on uh, the Scratch site, you can play most of these on the website, but when you're logged in, you can also download them and they will open up inside Scratch. And so that's what I'm going to actually do here. I'm going to click this button. It's going to download the project to my computer and it's going to open it up inside Scratch. Okay? This project has uh, two sprites. It has this, well, whatever. I'll, I'll play it and then we'll analyze it a little bit. No audio here. That's my second sprite. And that's it. Yay, it's all done. Okay. So that's that's a very simple project, but what it involves is we have a couple different backgrounds. So we have a stage background. We have a picture of my son and I at Philmont last summer, and then my friend Bob and I um, in Maine when the iPad came out. And then we've got a couple different sprites that do a few different things. All right? Um, in this case, my first sprite is going to a particular <gasps> coordinate location. What's that? Well, sprite is, or Scratch is set up on an XY coordinate grid. The center is zero, zero. So if you want to go to a particular place on the screen, you move your mouse there. Oh, and what do you see here? The X and the Y coordinates. So the students can see that, write down that number, and make their sprite go to that place. And then it can glide to another place and wait, and then it's saying some stuff. Okay? So that's, that's a very basic All About Me project. Um, let's see. This is uh, one of the things that we'll teach the kids to do in Scratch Camp um, is a, just a very simple maze game. And so this is a, a basic maze game, but what this introduces to the kids is the idea of sensing. So we've got uh, a little block that is the character, and then we have some different scripts that are going to sense. Um, so I'll go ahead and play this. So, okay, it does say, what is your name? Okay, so I can type in my name. And now I'm going to use my arrow keys to move around the screen. Now there's a script, my, my, my character here is purple, okay? And it says when you hit the black, what happens? What just happened? 
Oh my gosh, I went all the way back to the beginning. So you can decide how to make this work. If you want it to just bounce off, you can do that. Which is easier, bounce off or go to the beginning? Bounce off is a lot easier because you've got to start all over the, uh, the other way. But now when it touches green, ah, west winds. It plays the sound, and now it goes to level two. So there's level two. So this is just introducing the concept of, uh, of sensing. <coughs> when a certain block touches another one, something else happens. I think I only have three levels of this. Okay. Um, I don't know. I don't know if I've got a, a link. So you can draw your own sprites, right? Yes, you can draw your own sprites. You can. I've taken images um, and cut them out in GIMP, which is a free uh, manipulation software like Photoshop, but it's free to download. Mm -hmm. And I've put pictures of myself in these, put pictures of my dogs. Uh, stuff like that. So if you wanted to, you could use your yourself, or kids could use themselves. And GIMP. GIMP. Yeah. Uh, I'm not. I don't remember the username of this student. One of the kids at Scratch Camp uh, this summer. Well, they learned to make mazes, and anyway, he he, he made an imaginary portal. Right. Um, West can show you one. Do you have, and, well, why don't I've we, got some on there. yeah, let's go to your, your channel. So, if you go to our uh, scratchclub.ucomps, um, Chris's channel is Simon Stem. Can I do Dance and Pool? Sure, but okay. do Dance and Pool Simon Style. That's the one that's got me. This one here? Yeah. Okay, so, if you were concerned that Chris Simon wasn't, you know, that having fun, dance. that he can't <laughs> dance, that kids I need it for my kids so that they could... Move, they were supposed to move me to a beat. So, some of them have done a good job. Others, they just got me flailing around. Okay. So, again, we click on it. It's going to open here. And green flag? Go. Hi. My name is Tim. I want to do a dance for you. I hope you like it. Now, one of the things you might be thinking right away is, copyright, is Chris going to be arrested because he's put some Michael Jackson music, you know, here on his Scratch project? The whole idea of fair use and what are we allowed to do fairly, what can we do non-commercially in terms of remixing stuff and creating stuff is an important question. And um, they do police the Scratch website, but a project like this, which is a remix and is you know combining uh, different pieces of media and different elements of media together, um, I feel pretty good about it being fair use. You know. Good question. No, there's one sprite, but if you look at the costumes, if you click on that one, go to costumes, there's a million costumes. What you got to do is think of a sprite as a character. And Chris gave this to his kids to let them then build with it. So he yeah. used this as a template and said, here's, 
here are some different songs. You know, here are these yeah, different. Yeah, I, I put like seven different songs on there, four or five different backgrounds, and I made all the costume changes. You got to look at costumes as like an actor changing either a position or changing uh, what they're wearing or something like. He did the dragon had two costumes, but it was just one sprite or one character. But you had to take a picture of yourself in every position yeah. for every costume change. And then I had to cut it out and him. So that took a little while. It took some time. <laughs> but I wanted the kid. I wanted the kids not to have to look for songs, not to have to look for backgrounds, not to have to look for you know some way to get the the, the character moving. Having said that, I told them, if you guys don't like these songs, like some of my kids, I have a Gangnam Style version on there that's only a minute long. They took the real song and put it on there because they didn't like it that it was only a minute long and it didn't have the words. So they did their own version. I said, guys, that's totally fine if you can do that. I mean, So here's my homework for you. Um, I would love if you would create an account on the Scratch site and that you would take some time to play. Um, the Scratch Tours is a place that's going to show you what you can do. We didn't even really show you any storytelling that you can do. Um, there are so many different projects. It, it is intimidating, okay? There's a lot here. But, oh, my gosh, it's so creative. Best scenario is to get one of your students to show you some things that they've created, you know, and then learn together and then, and then for you to try. Um, I had thought about doing a scratch camp for teachers. The best thing I've, when I've done that has been having kids with teachers because the dynamics are very different when kids are in the room and they're learning. Um, and I guess my last thought that I'll, I'll end with is one of the things that scratch does really well is it models, just look at this idea of scratchers, okay? Chris is number three here and I'm number four, but we are all learners. Now, this doesn't mean we're not the authority figure and we're not the ones to make sure it's safe and we're following rules, etc. But all of us have expertise. And with Scratch, oh my gosh, there's stuff all the time the kids are learning and they're sharing. Mm -hmm. And I believe that, that one of the things we want to try and do in our schools and our classrooms is to empower each other to be co-learners and to be sharing knowledge. Because, you know, you may now be the expert in Wolfram Alpha in your building or because you came to the last session or now you're an expert on Scratch. We have different amounts of knowledge and we can share that and it really is an empowering thing for kids to have opportunities to share things that they've learned, be able to teach the teachers, sure, because I don't know how, I don't care how many degrees you have and how you know, long you've been in school, there's so much to continue learning and we want everyone to continue to learn but also to celebrate and recognize um, you know, this journey that we're on and I, I think that Scratch can give us a good opportunity it's a humbling thing, just like if we were to speak Mandarin and start a Mandarin class, I think I'd feel very humble because I don't have a lot of Mandarin skills. Similarly with Scratch, it, it gives us humility, but in a good way because our kids are encountering new things all the time that we're throwing at them, and that can be really hard. And so it's sort of like the beginner mind, you know, to have the mind of the beginner um, and, and then to be saying, look, even though I don't know that answer, let's figure that out together. And, and as you learn stuff, you share it with me and I'll... I'll do the same thing. I have Crystal Butcher's son, Zach. He's in my uh, Scratch thing. And I know Crystal was just starting to learn Scratch and do Scratch. And he was telling me that he was showing his mom how to do stuff at home like she didn't about me. And she was embarrassed because it took her so long. But he said, Mom, <laughs> you know, he was teaching her that it was okay. That not right. It's okay. It's all right because we're all learning with this. And, and whether we're talking about Scratch or we're talking about you know, researching a disease that somebody has in your family that you're trying to figure out who the best healthcare provider is. We've all got to be learners, and, you know, we all need to be 
you know, kids need to understand this too. We're learning as teachers. We don't have all the answers, uh, but we're um, we're passionate about being learners and about encouraging everyone to be that lifelong learner because that's important. Important. So, thank you all for coming. Please go play with Scratch and uh, share that with a young person. And if you know somebody who's interested in Scratch Camp, we'll be having that information come out hopefully in the next week or so for uh, spring break.